he's gone and I'm sorry. He meant a lot to you. And I think he meant a lot to the good people of Los Angeles and what had been very thrilling El Traficos, Bo. It, it, the post Zlatan era, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if that's a world I want to live in. Uh, I'm sure somebody in Italy will scoop him up, but it's just not going to be the same. It's not going to be the same impact. Uh, I, I can't believe it, man. No more Zlatan. I don't know what I'm going to talk about when we talk about MLS. Actually, I'll just remain silent while you talk like we always do. We will always have our statue in Malmo. And welcome to Sound System FC. I'm Lawrence Scott. And as always, joined by Bo Byerly as we Hi-ya. look at what is going on around the world of soccer here on this show. And uh, we'll hit a lot of things, uh, a lot of Premier League topics today, some Liga MX that we want to get to, Bundesliga, and also La Liga. But Champions League media rights coming in as our top topic, Bo, because things are changing. CBS is getting involved. The, T- the Tiffany Network, yes, they're ready to make a play after all these years of... It kind of bouncing around. You know, I, I do respect that Turner and uh, Bleacher Report, I think, did a fine job with Champions League. They'll, they'll have it for a little bit longer. And I enjoy the post-game shows, and I enjoy the coverage. Uh, but, you know, CBS is, is stepping in the game, and so it's going to be interesting to see if the audience continues to grow. Well, let's break this down a little bit, because, you know, you down with OTT? That's the question. <laughs> CBS All Access, the uh, OTT over the top platform. And really, what that means is no different than what the Bleacher Report platform was doing to share this stuff online, or TUDN, the uh, Univision platform, is doing online. But let's just start with the basics here. Turner currently is paying more than $60 million per year. They have a three-year deal that ends in the spring of 2021. Univision was paying $35 million per year for the Spanish language rights for the Champions League. And now CBS and Univision are the ones picking up those rights from the fall of 2021 to spring of 2024. But everyone in the TV business is knowing that it's streaming business that they're really heading toward. It will be on television, but for the CBS Sports Network cable network, I don't know that this is as big of a deal for that as it is for the CBS All Access OTT platform. I mean, I I think it is because uh, the CBS Sports Network has not really caught on Unless you want to watch a Fresno State football game, uh, <laughs> it just or bull riding, um, it hasn't really caught on yet. This is a play for them to have much better live sports programming. You know, CBS as a network is really trying to break in, though, when it comes to their digital platform. I mean, they have CBSN, which is their news platform, which they've been putting some resources into, and they're hoping that this streaming first even with uh, an older audience that has a smart TV and can download the app. I see this as a pretty smart play. I mean, Champions League is a lot of games, a lot of quality games. You have a dedicated audience that will seek out the content. And that's the other thing. It's, it, soccer is actually good for streaming because your audience will seek it out. Whereas in other things, it's like, you know, oh, that TV show looks kind of cool. Am I going to go seek it out or am I just going to watch whatever TV shows already on TV? But with soccer, you have a much more dedicated audience that I think will actually go out and try to seek out the content. So 
it's a smart play by CBS. I don't know why ESPN doesn't want to get in the game, other than the fact that maybe they feel like that to some extent it just looks like a whole bunch of soccer. I mean, it already is on the ESPN Plus platform. And ESPN has already dumped a lot of money into broadcast rights for all these other sports. At some point, you just have to say, like, hey, we're, <laughs> we're, we're done spending money. Well, I, I just feel in my statement about it earlier that in the fall of 2021, especially to spring of 2024, we're talking about a whole different way that people are going to be watching anything. And to me, ESPN Plus, sort of the uh, leader into this, the NBC Sports Gold package is a great package for the Premier League. But for what CBS All Access is over the top platform will be by 2024, this will be some prime programming. And I, I just don't see it as being as important to the CBS Sports Network in 2024 as perhaps it will be in 2021. But one of the things to note, and, and we read this, is that NBC didn't bid. NBC, ha I mean, I, I, I'm not going to act like I'm privy to a lot when it comes to NBC. Uh, not really a network that I've had a relationship with in at least a decade. But I will say that NBC Sports is still trying to get a footing. I mean, they have the Premier League, and it does do well for them. But past that, you know, it, it's a tough sell. Big boy NBC, you know, they have Sunday night football. They have a lot of marquee sports. They have the Olympics. Again, it's like, at what point do you want to be competing with yourself? So I can understand why NBC, and besides, NBC wants to, like, keep the Champions League a secret. Like, they, they, they want people to think that the only international soccer that matters is Premier League. And then, oh, I don't know, yeah, they play some other tournament. No, 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 never mind you that, because we paid a whole bunch of money for you to watch Manchester United play Newcastle. So uh, that's the most important game that's happening this week. We don't know. We've heard there's a Barcelona team. I don't know where they play. I, I Maybe. I don't know. Okay, well, before I ask you what it is that you're using these days to watch the soccer that you're enjoying. I, I will say there was split reporting, some reporting saying that NBC and Telemundo made a bid together. But then at a conference yesterday, as reported by the Sports Business Daily, it was uh, kind of put out there that NBC didn't take the bidding very seriously because they're pretty ensconced in running the NBC Sports Gold platform that has the Premier League. And as you said, wants to put that at the forefront. But uh, Fox would be the only other thing that we should you know, bring in here. And it's that let Fox move forward. They had the Champions League's rights for uh, like nine years before Turner took over. But Fox, with their FIFA World Cup rights, have enough on their plate. And really, I was enjoying, and we'll get to this when we hit our uh, Liga MX, the FS2 programming in English and being able to watch uh, Cruz Azul at Santos. But this media rights stuff is something we will always follow on this program. But Bo, just, just a current uh, take on what you're using these days to see the soccer that you're watching. What is it? So uh, I have YouTube TV and I think that's a great platform because I also get the local channels. Uh, I did have uh, Fubo for a while, uh, or Fubu, run by L. Cool J. Um, <laughs> no, I had Fubo for a while. Actually, I think Fubo's great, except for the fact that in my market, you know, they don't have ABC, so that keeps them out of a lot of things. That keeps them out of some of the Disney properties, which Disney owns half of the world. Um, so I like YouTube TV. And then I found this thing called Fanatiz, 
uh, because I wanted BN Sports. Uh, that's the reason. I used to have DirecTV. I left DirecTV because they got rid of BN Sports because uh, who knows, some something, you know, right? It's always some war. Um, and so I got Fanatis. It's like eight bucks a month. And I get all the BN Sports, but then I get some really interesting channels. Like the other day, I was watching a little second division Mexican soccer. Mm. Um you know, on goal. And then I get uh, Argentinian soccer and it's just fun stuff to watch. It's, it's fun to just see different broadcasts, different teams, different areas. Uh, I have ESPN plus like you do Lawrence. So, you know, Syria, I can also watch, uh, you know, second division American soccer, you know, I can watch Chattanooga and Birmingham and New Mexico and all these other great teams. Um, so those are kind of the things I, I really stick with. And then, and then of course I have uh, Univision now, which is uh, their digital platform, which ties into TUDN, which is nice because that gives me the uh, Liga MX coverage that I want. Um, and I'm okay with a lot of the commentary being in Spanish. Um, but like you were saying, if that's a hurdle for you or if it makes it less enjoyable, you know, Fox Sports does have uh, some decent programming when it comes to Liga MX and you get the coverage in English. Well, as you just explained, there's like... 17 different ways to get different oh stuff God. and now you really have to almost focus on what are the four or five different things that make the most sense and uh, yeah and at the time when i was kind of evaluating the uh fubo the you know for us by others i, I felt <laughs> that it was a program that it was a little too expensive for what i want to sling has a program you could get in to get the uh bn sports but i i'm kind of locked out here in the xfinity world bn was dropped that was one of the reasons i picked up the sports package and then immediately i was like well, nope nope no la liga for you and i just can't bring myself to turn the key on just that with my nbc sports gold package for premier league and espn plus for uh syria and and it, it kind of it creates an interesting dynamic on this show because I'll have to watch replays of things essentially to see what's really going in on La Liga. Yeah, I mean it's it's a shame, um, and I think that soccer is going to be at the forefront of streaming uh, because of the international audience and because of the very complex TV rights issues. I think that streaming, uh, I mean streaming is the future. That's a stupid statement, but <laughs> sports streaming will be led by soccer coverage, uh, just because everything else is so tied up in broadcast football, basketball, baseball. I mean, they do have streaming avenues, of course, but a lot of those are owned by the leagues uh, or have a very large partnership with the leagues. And that's the difference about soccer is there's not just one league. There's not just an NFL. You know, it's like there's 11 NFLs and then an international NFL and then a domestic NFL. And it's just, you know, and they all have not only their own rights, but then they're all judged differently too. I mean, I could talk for, and I won't bore you or anybody else with it, but like even understanding how television rights work in Liga MX and the teams actually own the rights and it's a mess. It's, I got to get mess. that Veracruz streaming package because I'm a real masochist. But no, we wanted the topic of the show today to be VAR or Vardy, which is a bigger story in the Premier League. We, but I think, we, we wanted, we being... <laughs> okay, but I think now we will let the episode be called Streaming is the Future because we can't have a third straight episode with a question mark. And that, and that that's just the rule now. Uh, so we'll talk Premier League and I guess the statement that I would like to put out there is things are how they should be. And, and let's just honestly run down what happened last weekend. O on Friday, Watford getting off the schneid, all right? Norwich 
it's not happening. Timu Puki, great early season story. Cantwell, can't. And it's just not happening now for uh, Daniel Farka and the Canaries as Watford finally got a win. And that was Friday, kind of setting up what was an awesome Saturday, if you stopped and watched. And things are how they should be. Leicester, 2-0 over Arsenal. That was a really thrilling game. And Leicester, the Foxes, are seeming like they are a team to be seriously reckoned with here in the Premier League. I, that's true. That's true. The other thing to me that really sticks out is the fact that, uh, look, okay, it's a two-team race, but we'll leave those two teams alone for a second. And, uh, yeah, Leicester, the Foxes, and, and of course, Chelsea. I mean, Frank Lampard's group is showing up and and doing an amazing job. I, I have to tip my hat to uh, to Chelsea. Yeah, winning at home against Crystal Palace. And before we do any more Unai Emery out discussion, uh, let it be known, Terry Ray will not be the Gunners uh, manager this time around. Uh, signing up with Montreal Impact of the MLS. Uh, but I could see a future Ooh, that's there, perhaps. A, that's a drop. <laughs> okay so jesus so well he was going to coach he was looking like he was going to coach the pittsburgh steelers but currently there's an opening for odessa permia high school so he's going to take that not a bad job hs bisinger all right so um the spurs sheffield united match sheffield united almost could have won this thing var getting in the way we'll talk about var advancements in just a second but things are the way they should be sheffield united is pretty high up on the table right now and they gave spurs quite a scare it ended up a draw at 1-1 but that's where spurs are right now a draw with Sheffield United. Everton should be beating Southampton. No one should be getting Haas and Hoodled at this point. Newcastle, Bournemouth. No one cares, really, except if you're from Newcastle or you follow the Cherries. Uh, Newcastle did win that one. Burnley really taking it to Pink Eye and uh, West Ham over there. And I, I, I will tell you, I mean, I watched some highlights of that one, and it was just like, that's a bruiser team. And the Ginger Mourinho, very seriously about uh, what Burnley is doing and the mark that they're going to make and the move that they could make up but then really the granddaddy of them all liverpool man city the on only Sunday. match the everyone only was match watching it mattered but 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 before we hit that man you should be beating brighton like that's happened and that's what it should be things are how they should be yeah Wolves i mean should yeah be i mean beating aston villa at home at the molyneux and they did mm-hmm. things are how they should be things are how they should be nothing okay, happened I'll- this last weekend in premier league that isn't exactly how it should have gone that's my point yeah, I, I buy into that. I mean, that's that's if you take a snapshot of where the league and those teams are, uh, everything. Yeah, if you were a betting man, you you and if you just bet the line, you would be in good shape right now. Uh, but yeah, Liverpool, Man City. I mean, that's the match. That's the match that matters. And when it matters, I mean, look, Man City, uh, Bravo, not Bravo. He is pretty poor in goal, but mm. you know, Liverpool played well. I mean, they they. They they did what they had to do. And, I mean, look, they're a big-time team. They're the Champions League, you know, cup holders. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. But still, I, I thought it was a fairly dominant performance. Hey, so I just got to ask, handball by the uh, Terrence Trent Darby Alexander-Arnold? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going to be an absolutist on it and be like, if it touches the hand, it's a handball. You, you just have to call it that way because if not, it becomes figure skating. I like that you've been saying this. And I, did, did you see so many other examples of where it's so obvious that that's what happened and it's not being called by VAR? Which brings us to 
VAR and the latest from the Premier League, a statement coming out today after uh, they brought Mike Riley out. And it's great. I mean, to go from Oregon State to heading the officials for uh, the (laughs) no, no, Uh, a a different Mike Riley, obviously. But the the new decisions that uh, they're making around the Premier League right now and the Mike Riley, we speak to the the officials official at uh, the Premier League, he kind of let it be known to all the the clubs that one of the things they want to do is make increased information for the fans. This seems trivial, but it actually is kind of important if you're not watching it on television, I would imagine. It's that the VAR graphic in the stadiums has been checking penalty. Now that graphic would say something to the effect of checking penalty, possible handball, as we were just saying. Yeah, I mean, these are little changes. Uh, In the end, VAR will be a great tool for any league because uh that like i said there's two major rules in soccer right you you can't touch the ball with your hand and you can't be off sides and the only way that you can be a hundred percent sure that neither of those two things happened is with var so i mean it's a black and white issue and but like uh Many great things that seem like they make sense, not to make it political, but much like Obamacare, it's not in the process, it's in the selling of it. And uh, they have not done a very good job of selling VAR, of letting people know how VAR can be beneficial to them. And uh, I think that's what we've fallen into here, is the fact that I, I don't think VAR is terrible. I think VAR is very good for every league, but the leagues have not done a very good job of selling it not only to the teams and the coaches, but to the fans. And oh, yeah. so, so they're, they're, they're waiting for disappointment. Well, it, it, I find it a tiny bit creepy still when they're drawing the lines and the, the, the angles of the, I, I, I find it like, I don't like to watch technology taking over sport that much and why these officials on the field are not able to make certain decisions that this other thing is making or either backs them or in some cases doesn't, you know, speed and consistency being prioritized is a key here. But I mean, until we get some more examples, like I the guess. pass interference rule, All right, This isn't like, this isn't like we're, we're replaying so that we can take a closer look at a judgment call. Um, I equate this more to, and honestly, this is another debate that we will never have because hopefully we don't start a baseball podcast because people will fall asleep. But, like, you know, do you have a robot call balls and strikes? I mean, that's an obvious thing. Uh, You know, this is kind of the same thing. It's where do you lie on this? Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, the more you let technology creep into sport, it takes away the sport, in your opinion. I, I disagree, but, you know... It's it's here. You can't you can't uh, you can't put the toothpaste in the tube. Uh, it just takes away the excitement of the fan experience. But the fan experience in stadium may be more what I'm referring to than watching it at home. At home, it, it doesn't. You know, it's like the America's Cup sailing. It, it it adds something that's sort of a bit interesting to that mix. Um, I, I I will say this. When you look at what VAR is and represents, we'll have to put that on hold. But the question was, VAR or Vardy, which is the bigger story in the Premier League right now? Because 11 goals and what Leicester is doing, I would like to make the case that... It, it's still it's still VAR. Ah. It's still VAR, dude. I, yeah. You know, Leicester, what, uh, they may get in the Champions League. I mean, they're not going to be number one. They're not going to be number two. And honestly, they're not as good a team as Chelsea. So... um. We'll see what Rebecca Vardy does. Maybe, you know, that to me is more interesting than Jamie. 
Right. And uh, so we've we've really started off with barn burners here. And you talked about us making a baseball podcast, putting people to sleep. I hope that the concept of streaming and then Premier League, uh, some we don't usually we don't usually indulge ourselves on until midway through the show. But we started with this. We kicked things off with those two topics. But now I yield the floor and we hit La Liga. Bo, what did you see? Well, I mean, you know. Some 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 good games. I really feel like that uh, Real Madrid has found their footing. Um, I feel like that they're going to have a good season, and we're going to forget all about all this turmoil. But you know, of course, Zidane and everybody else is one week away from being fired. Uh, that's because that's just how that runs. But really, what's interesting to me is the fact that Diego Costa is going to be out. And he's going to be out for a while. I mean, it could liter- he could literally be out till April uh, for a cervical disc herniation. And, you know, Atletico has had a trouble scoring goals. And then their main striker, or one of their main strikers, is now gone. Um, however, he hasn't been making much of an impact in the last month or so. So, Joao Felix comes back. He's full speed. Murata, I mean, they'll be okay because Simeone is never going to allow more than one or two goals in most situations uh, with his defense. But, you know, that's a big that's a big hit for Atletico, which, again, turns this into a dominant two-man race, Barcelona and Madrid. The Clasico is now scheduled. It'll be coming in mid-December, and we'll get to see where these teams really are. Um, you know, they'll stay close enough to the pack because La Liga is is actually pretty competitive uh, if you go down even to like the 14th, 13th place. Uh, these teams will all stick around, but once the Clasico happens, I think we will have a pretty good idea of how this league will shake out. The other league that's super competitive, and we're also seeing how it's going to shake out, is the Bundesliga. And Lawrence, when you talk about things are as they should be, uh, Byron Munich just put their boot on the throat of Dortmund for zero. What do you think, man? Is 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 Byron back? Uh, more organized. Let let's say that. And and I know that's a kind of a cop out statement, but 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 more organized at, at the moment than uh, had been. It's a cop out for week. anything German. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Dortmund was due to be Dortmund. Esque at, at at some point, and and again, I always feel like when I get the scant ability to to tune in, uh, Bundesliga is you know being epitomized by players coming off the pitch and pushing managers, and and you know like that's the <laughs> the conflict they're building. But to me, it, Bayern Munich, that's a championship level team that's competing in the top tournaments in Europe, and they should be able to on you know any given Saturday, knock out. Yeah, but I mean, Dortmund is always, but Dortmund is the sweetheart of Germany. Like everybody thinks that they're going to return to, you know, their, their dominant one season that everybody talks about. And uh, maybe that's not the case. You know, there's uh, it's, it, it looks more and more like the French league. Now we say that, I mean, uh, Mönchengladbach definitely has something to say about that. I mean, they're like, Hey, you know, let, let us play Byron. We won't choke like Dortmund did. Um, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a pretty dominant performance. Alfonso Davies, you know, definitely making his presence known. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I see this being a bad year for Dortmund. I say that 
they could still advance to the round of 16 in the Champions League if Inter Milan can't get it together in their last two games in the Champions League. So, you know, kind of the one fail-safe of European football is when you have a bad run in your club season, hopefully in your European tournament you're doing something, whether it's Europa or Champions League, and the other way around. Um, So we'll see what happens, but... You know, still a very competitive race in Germany, but I really feel like that Bayern Munich has found their footing. Now they just need to find a full-time manager. But you know, you know, maybe maybe the space interpreter, the space invader, whatever Thomas Mueller wants to call himself, has figured it out on his own, and and uh, he can keep the lads going. Well, okay. One other quick note about uh, European soccer that will be huge, you know, in the coming year uh, before we hit Liga MX and the MLS Cup. But uh, Kylian Mbappe, you know, reports now saying that PSG would sell him to his boyhood fantasy team, Real Madrid, and his uh, idol, Zidane. And, you know, there's no blame to be put there. But you've got this report coming out now that it could be a transfer that would equate something like half a billion dollars. Is that, is that even possible? When we hit the quarter of a billion mark with Neymar, I was like, I can kind of see. Well, I I think Mbappe's twice as good as Neymar. So there, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Where do the economics round out to where even a club that's as capitalized as Real Madrid cannot make that kind of move and say that it's not half a, Billion. Say it's 300, 400 euro. Like, what are we talking here? That that seems like we're really cresting into new territory. Yeah, but, you know, if you have Mbappe on that team and they go on another run like they did with Ronaldo and they win the Champions League and they win La Liga and everybody's wearing an Mbappe jersey and a Real Madrid jersey, you know... These are international teams. This goes beyond ticket sales. This goes beyond a domestic thing, you know. These, these, somebody like Mbappe can be the kind of, and, and Lawrence, I'd like to get your take on it because you're so integrated into the business of sport. Is like, how big is the impact of LeBron James, right? How big oh, yeah. is the impact of, these aren't, base, baseball players are weird. They, 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 they take a lot of money, but I don't feel like they have the impact. But like LeBron or Steph Curry or these guys have such a massive, international impact that I think it's easy to make an argument that they're worth a half a billion dollars. It's global expansion. That's at key to how the NBA would value a player like LeBron James, for instance, which, you know, a couple of years ago, somebody did a salary uh, estimation saying that what he was paid by the Cavs back then was really only one third of what the worth would be. Say he was being paid like 30, 35, you know, million, it would be three times worth more to the NBA and expanding overseas and having viewer, you know, viewership in China and in Europe and, and other places, Latin America. But the, Question about baseball is an interesting one, too, because, you know, that's so regional, as we always discuss. I mean, you've got probably one of the greatest baseball players ever who is paid a ton of money. But if you was walking down the street right now, no I can idea. tell you 99 out of 100 people wouldn't know, oh, that was Mike Trout. I mean, like, that that's my example of, of, of literally. That. So it, it becomes back to what we started the segment with, streaming rights globally what are these contracts worth i just don't know that i can go as far as to say that 
a half billion dollar transfer is worth it to Real Madrid, even with all those aspirations, even with all that global expansion, even bringing Real Madrid as a brand to big markets like the United States and China as, as a topic like that may just be a bridge too far. That number. And that, and and it'll set a new precedent, obviously. But that was just a surprising one. That's sort of this new chatter. I am personally dubious that that kind of number is sustainable. Well, uh, we can do something. We can we can go to break and we can come back and talk about North American soccer, where guys are making fifty thousand dollars a year. Maybe that's maybe good. that's, that's a, the kind of that's that's, maybe transition. that's the kind of grounding. That's the kind of grounding I think we need. So coming up after the break, uh, we head here and south of the border. We'll talk MLS Cup and Liga MX. Viva Chivas! Sound System FC continues here. Lawrence Scott with Bo Byerly, and I will tell you this. uh, The Goats are making a run at it. The Goats, they're, they're out of the pen. They're running. They're getting there. Uh, let me break it down for you, Lawrence. So for Chivas, for Guadalajara to make the final eight and to play in the end of the year or end of the season tournament for the first season, uh, there's a couple of things that has to happen. Uh, so Chivas has to beat Veracruz. That's actually not very hard because I think I could go find a team playing at the park up the street and they could get points on Veracruz. Uh Rayotos has to lose versus Adelis or draw, and Chivas has to win by more than four goals. Mm, still kind of doable. Uh, the Cholos, Tijuana, has to draw or lose to Club Leon, or Pumas and Pachuca must finish in a draw, or Pachuca win, and Chivas has to beat them by like seven goals, six goals. I mean, it's, look... It's, it's. I don't want to say it's highly unlikely, uh, because that's the beauty of Mexican soccer is, is that anything's possible. But you know, I I think this is good for Chivas. They're they're putting it together, and even if they don't make the tournament, which you know half of Mexico is hoping that they are able to make this happen, uh, they're looking pretty good for the uh, second season, and uh, I I think they're playing much better soccer. Okay, so. The kicking a red shark while they're down, we get it. We, you know, but, but the question, I guess, would be all of those things that would have to come. And then they're 12th right now trying to get up to eight. You would say in any other sporting realm that that's not really possible. And, and then the question I would say is like, Pachuca at 11. Is, is there a plausible way that they could get up to that that eight spot? Tijuana, Pumas sure. in between them as well. Uh, Monterey is at eight. Uh, the Monarchs at seven. I I, I just, I, I don't, I, yeah, you're right. It would be amazing math if it worked out. I, I can't even think of like the last time we've seen something like this, like the NFL. Maybe there was that one strange season where it was like, two like there was like seven and eight and a tie teams from the nfc west snuck into the wild card it was something like really really off yeah it's not it's not i don't even think it's that improbable um you know guadalajara has luck on their side they always do 
Um, but we're talking about the bottom. Yeah. Let's talk about the top. Let's talk about Santos and well, Brian yeah, Lozano the and, and the action that we saw in their uh, victory over Cruz Azul, where we were able to see it on FS2, as I was alluding to earlier. I mean, Santos is flying, and Nacoxa started the season so well, but 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 Santos is very organized right now, a five-point lead at the here at the end of the Apertura. But uh, do, do you like them for the Little League? Do I, I mean, yes, they're the best. I mean, they are the best team. They've played like the best team. It shows that they're the best team. But uh, I, I still think Club America, if, if Ochoa can get on a streak, um, then I, I think they're my favorite. Even though they're the third seed, I, I look to be the third seed. They could maybe be the second seed by the end of the, end of the weekend. I think they're going to be my favorite, and and I hate to say that because I do like I do like Santos. I do think that they're a great team. Uh, if they're able to win it all, I wouldn't be surprised. But my money's on America. Okay, I would still like to see something from the boys from Agus Caliente uh, Nacaxa that they. Yeah, I mean it's a season. great team, man. They're they're really good. All of those teams, those top four teams, actually, they're. I mean, you know, we always talk about parity. Um, there's a lot of parity in Mexican soccer. Um, the uh, any given team situation is actually pretty true, and and that proves true even a couple of weeks ago when Cruz Azul put it onto Club America. I mean, you know, anything can happen. I know that sound that's so cliche, but you know, that's it's. I'll give you another cliche. That's why they play the game. Speaking of playing the game, speaking of any given team, Lawrence, I, I'll, I'll just let you do this. The MLS Cup. What happened? I, it was, I it was a if I even beautiful watched. day in the Pacific Northwest. Let's just start with that. I mean, this is a fan base that has been very loyal, very supportive. Schmetzer has created a situation there where it feels very in line with what the culture has always been with soccer in the Pacific Northwest and building a legacy from the old Sounders to this new group, bringing in former players. I mean, all of the classy things you could do to make everyone feel ingratiated and part of what finally happened in front of a great, great fan base at CenturyLink Field as Seattle took down Toronto. The TV viewership was a little bit less than people wanted, yeah. but I, but, but, okay. So if, if uh, the numbers we saw were like around 1.3 million viewing across not just the ABC national broadcast that was noon Pacific, three Eastern, but uh, Univision and TUDN, all those things combined, that Nielsen number you have to keep some perspective with, and it's as follows, and I noticed this during the NBA Finals, this past NBA Finals with Toronto taking on the Warriors, is that Nielsen is not picking up a Canadian audience. So if you had to look at the markets weighing in on this, you are losing a Nielsen market with one of the participating teams. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Um and you know, there's uh, Canadian rights. I don't know. Is it TSN? Who, who is, I would imagine it was. It's always pretty much be the two choices: TSN or Rogers. But I'm pretty sure it was TSN. Um. Still, though, I mean, ABC Nightline that airs in the middle of the night after Jimmy Kimmel gets two million viewers roughly a night, um, and the MLS Cup got. 75% of that. And it's it's half okay, of that but time out, it's language. noon on a Sunday, an NFL Sunday. 
Yeah, but you're only going to get to watch one NFL game. I mean, what NFL game? What what awful NFL? Actually, no. The it was it was Chiefs Titans. Is what they were going up against because my uh, nine-year-old's fantasy team has Derrick Henry and Pat Mahomes, so we had to watch that. <laughs> and we watched the uh, MLS Cup on tape delay. Uh, it's not really tape delay. It's not 1987, but, um, but yeah, you're right. But on and replay, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you're right. It, it. Why the hell did they run the game at noon on a Sunday? I, I was wondering, too, if you could make it a nighttime event somehow, then it'd be going up against Sunday night football. The, the, but it could have been Saturday night against, I mean, the Alabama game, Alabama-LSU, that was over by, you know, 6 o'clock. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when the MLS Cup should hey, – here's a, here's a novel idea. Maybe the MLS should align their season with the rest of soccer. And then you could have the championship – in May, maybe June, you know, something like that, where, where maybe you could get a bigger audience because you're not going up against football. You know, I can understand trying to be counter-programming to baseball or basketball, but honestly, being counter-programming to football and you're still sport just, just doesn't work. Okay, well— I mean, that's just right. Do you agree or disagree? I just want to take a different tact altogether and just say that my (laughs) MLS experience has always been and will always be the in-person fan experience. I personally have been to probably 100-plus MLS games from just all kinds of clash games at Old Spartan Stadium to uh, the Buckshaw Stadium experience in Santa Clara watching the earthquakes to now Avaya Stadium by the airport in San Jose. And, like, I have always seen the teams coming in. I've had friends that are working for other teams that I want to go see and we'll hang out. And, like, it's always been a communal thing and the fan base and being there but these were always until avaya stadium in the case of the earthquakes or the clash it was always kind of a small experience in the sense that it wasn't century link field or mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta and to see the past two mls cups be played in front of so many enthusiastic people who are so not just into it or what lafc was doing at the bank of california stadium this year and the 3252 kind of leading the charge there i mean all of the in stadium experiences now with MLS have been so impressive when it comes to putting that on television. Okay. So no one's watching it on television per se, but the people that are there are getting a great experience, but that's where the money is. And if you change the season, the fans would still be there. And if you had relegation instead of 75 teams going to be playing in the MLS or, you know, however many teams they keep on expanding to, if you had actually relegation, like the fans would still show up, you know, I, there are some things that have to be fixed with the MLS, but you are correct. I I remember going to Atlanta United games. I saw Atlanta United in Georgia tech stadium before they moved to the Mercedes Benz stadium. And it, you're right. The fan experience at an MLS game is on par with a college football game, which I think is one of the best fan experiences you can have. Uh, I've also seen soccer games on five different continents, and I do think that the MLS experience as a whole is is, it a, is the best experience. I put it way above baseball, uh, above the NBA. Granted, I live in Phoenix, so that's based off of the Suns' performance over the last decade, even though they're getting better. Um, so you're right. I, I just don't know how the MLS needs to package the experience to make the TV experience worthwhile because sadly 
this is entertainment and the money comes from television and if you only have a million and a half viewers it's going to be hard to go and get one of those fat tv contracts that the other sports get well, speaking of television and that experience, our program here is part of the Sound System Network, and we are trying to emphasize NBA Sound System and Sound System FC as two offerings to talk about, yes, the world sports, sports that are growing in a way that is global and inclusive and fun in a way that we have aligned with NBA International, with NBA.com for our NBA shows there. So if you're listening to this, please do check out NBA Sound System. And on NBA Sound System, we'll let people know that Sound System FC is here. But I feel validated in this concept by knowing that it was such a successful show for Men in Blazers to come interview an NBA coach, Steve Kerr, on a soccer show. And it all made sense. And he is a Liverpool fan. And uh, it was a great bit of shoulder programming after that game. And again, we want to thank Men and Blazers and Roger Bennett for uh, joining us here on this show a couple of episodes back. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, it's at the beginning of a episode titled Men and Blazers, Roger Bennett. Yes, well, that was a, that's a that's a very smart way to title it. But yeah, it, it is great. And, and that's, you know... Lawrence has a long history in the NBA, and uh, I think that there's definitely a great parallel because it is about the fan experience, and the sports are based off of incredible athletes, incredible players, and you know an incredible viewing experience, which is which is why we enjoy doing it. So I, I hope everybody takes the time to learn their streaming rights, <laughs> mm. read their streaming bill of rights. Find the find the streaming package that works for you, uh, and go out and watch some soccer games, man. It's it's fun. It's it's. I hate to you know tip my hat to Zlatan. We will we will end where we began. Now you can go back to watching baseball. Well, Zlatan, hopefully you've gotten enough people to stick around and watch soccer. So for Lawrence Scott, I'm Bo Byerly. Thanks again for listening to Sound System FC. We'll talk to you soon. Streaming is the future. <laughs>